Come live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Welcome to our next hour of Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Again, a big thank you to Jose Jefferson of the XFL Brahmas. We're welcome. We appreciate him taking the time to be with us on Never Had It So Good. Where are they now? My co-host, Duck Riley, how are you, sir? Uh, a good conversation for the last half an hour, Princess. Yeah, very good conversation. Um, he can talk. But um, he was very informative, and anybody that can run a four two nine forty gets a little bit of time on Never Had It So Good, for sure. I, agree. <laughs> I was coming to you next, Tim Moore. That's pretty fast, isn't it? Whoo, that's fast. That's real fast. <laughs> that's fast, for sure. All right, let's welcome in our guest here, Dr. Basil. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. And I ran a four two nine thirty. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought those knees and hips are bad. See, <laughs> too much stress. Let's see who we have here. I can remember everybody. Carlos Bradley, how are you? I am good. Good to be with you all. Awesome. 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 Will Harris, how are you? Doing great. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing good. Doing, doing well. good. I say the best for last. Larry Tisdale, how are you? What's up, fam? How's everybody? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to awesome. be here. Glad to be here. Great weekend. I, Great I, weekend. I, I, thought my, I thought my light-skinned brother would have jumped in on the conversation last night when he, the fans were trying to get on Dion, but I, I, I see you held off, Larry. <laughs> oh, he held listen. off because... Once you got to talking, everybody started saying, hmm, <laughs> no. <laughs> and we were just glad you said, let's go Mountaineers <laughs> and pulled up for sure. All right, yeah. Duck and Tim, you guys take over. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with open mic and Princess, Don't go nowhere. Let's, let's talk. Open mic, what you got for us? Duck, I had a lot of things, and, and I'll get to it on my beefing or whatever or pro game, but I, I just want to talk about Coach Prime and um, Dan Lanning. I want to start there because I, I thought it was evident. If we didn't know before, we know now when he said, you know, we, we play for wins, we don't play for clicks. Um, mm-hmm. That that came from um, a group message. And as I said to you, I think, Duck, earlier today is that I am sure that he got a lot of text messages Saturday night they said, thank you. You took him down or whatever. And I'm starting here because in Coach Prime's press conference, I thought he handled it really well. But there was a, a reporter who said, does, does this loss humble you? Um, does it, you know, kind of refocus you? He said, humble. He said, there wasn't, I was humble before. You know, so you can tell there's an element um, that does not want to see um, Coach Prime succeed. And I know we've talked about that, and we've said the same thing. But I found, found it very um, evident with Dan Lanning, who at halftime said, there's more to come. So he was really saying, you think 35 nothing is bad. You wait, we're going to come out here and put something on. And I thought it was personal there. I'm glad that Dion handled it, Coach Prime handled it the way he did. Um, but there's an element 
that makes me just want to root for him because I understand where that element is coming from. Okay. Uh, a quick question before I bring everybody in. If 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 it, Colorado didn't have Deion Sanders and they were playing Oregon, would it have been on at 3.30 or 10.30? It had been on at 10.30. It had been on at 10.30. 46 million um, is what has been brought to Colorado now, just Colorado, 46 million in media money from the, the, the first three weeks, four weeks, 46 wow. million in TV money. All right, Carlos, what you got for us? Open mic, talk to us. Well, I mean, I, I really just want to piggyback because that seems to be where where everything is. Um, the The element of you know, it just seems like the element of racial tension is what's brewing in the air in reference to Dion, always. And what I keep saying is he is who he is. He really just wants to bring the spotlight to him so that the kids can just go play, all right? We keep forgetting that the staff that he's put together and what's actually going on there, and he's just taking advantage of what the system is allowing him to do. And I think what really needs to be looked at is the entire NCAA and the their lack of guidance and control, which they are not showing. I think it's a loss of institutional control on their part. And Dion is, is not to be blamed for a the way he's going about doing his work. Okay. Uh, Will, open mic. What you got for us, Will? Yeah, Dan Lanny says, we don't do this for clicks. Uh, we do this for wins. You're telling me this Oregon team has 500 uniform combinations. They have <laughs> color-changing cleats that change color with the temp- depending on the temperature in the stadium. They're the originator of, quote, unquote, doing it for clicks. You know, they, they want the attention. They try to recruit with their uniform combination, their colorful cleats, their brand-new helmets, you know, the different colors they use. So I just think I said this is a situation where Dion's doing it better than them. But Oregon, the originator, one of the pioneers of doing it for clicks and trying to use non-football off-the-field attention and, you know, flags to try to attract recruits. So, I don't think they're just they're – just, Dion's just going about it differently, and they feel threatened that he's doing it better than they are. <laughs> Doc, open mic. What you got for us? Uh, so, you know, I'm watching the games yesterday, and I saw the uh, the Miami score pop up. And, you know, my first thought was, wait a minute, are they playing college games on Sunday? And I, I never <laughs> heard of, like, the University of Denver. I think that's going to have me trying to research this for the call. And so then I looked and I saw it was the Broncos, and I was like, 70? 70 to 20? Really? I mean, it's hard to believe that's a professional game and that they beat them down like that, although they said they weren't trying to embarrass them. I mean, I think 70 is embarrassing. And so, I, you know, I know Coach Hackett has his own problems at New York, but I'm sure he had a little smile on his face after the results of that game. <laughs> All right. Tim, open mic. What you got for us, Tim? Yeah, I I just kind of want to kind of piggyback on some of the comments that have already been made. I, I probably feel a little bit differently, 
but I don't disagree with anything that's been said about the motivation of a lot of people uh, against Dion. Uh, same thing happened back, if you all remember, when Muhammad Ali was boxing. People, you know, he was the first million-dollar boxer. And the reason was people were paying to see him get beat because he ran his mouth so much. Um, <laughs> but, see, I don't have a problem with a whole lot of trash talking. I, I think I think it's part of sport. Uh, and, uh, you know, I look back, you know, I was, I was going through some things today. The 83-84 Super Bowl, Redskins played the Raiders. You all remember the Hogs and John Riggins were running through everybody. Uh, Rich Walker, uh, went right before that Super Bowl game, a tight end, was talking about how they had just run through everybody else and they were going to do the same thing to the Raiders. And uh, Rod Martin, playing over Rich Martin, said he couldn't block me at UCLA. What makes them think they're going to do it now? And the Raiders uh, Raiders won that Super Bowl handily. You had the 88 game with the Catholics versus convicts uh, when uh, Lou Holtz said, uh, <laughs> you know, just save Jimmy Johnson for me. Um, you had the 97-98 Sugar Bowl where Florida State, uh, beat Ohio State 31-14. And then the next season, the preseason number one team was Ohio State going into the year. And Corey Simon from Florida State was laughing, talking about how he couldn't believe that because they were soft. Of course, Florida State went on to the national championship game that year, losing to Tennessee. Uh, Dabo Twinney, several years ago when Clemson was making their bones, was, was you know famous for coming out uh, using the phrase, bring your own guts talking about how many SEC teams they were beating along the way. Uh, you know, uh, Urban Meyer talked a whole lot of stuff about uh, how Ohio State belonged the year when they went to the CFP uh, playoffs and didn't even win the Big Ten because Penn State had beaten them, and Ohio State went. Well, Clemson beat them 31 nothing that year. Ryan Day with the other night was screaming about where is Lou Holtz after the game? Where is Lou Holtz now? Uh, Lane Kiffin before the game with Alabama the other day, was talking about the castles crumbling. I think trash talk is a part of what's been going on in sports for years. And so I didn't have a problem with what Dan Lanning said to his team. I think that's part of the competitive juices that go into making a team, getting the team motivated. Uh, and I think dion has been talking trash all year. And if you talk it, you got to be able to take it a little bit. You know, he's been saying, we coming, we coming. Now he's saying we here. Well, I think with Saturday we saw they're not quite here yet. But, um, you know, so it didn't bother me so much. Although I do see the motivation and how other people are responding to it. Okay, uh, Larry, open mic. What you got, Larry? Yeah, let me just, uh, yeah, I just wanted to chime in with everybody on, on the Dion situation. Um America's always had a problem with a strong black man who's willing to speak. You know, you guys mentioned Muhammad Ali and some of these other things. If we go back to the LSU-Iowa uh, 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 championship, um, and I guess to the hand to the face, and Caitlin had to come to the rescue of the LSU players saying, this is what we do. We all talk trash. But America was so hyped. Um, what Dion doing is, is what we have done and had to do. We have had to show out a little differently um, in order to, to receive some of the same things that they have. So that's my point. Race, and, and by the way, that's specifically uh, a race base, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but my other uh, a topic is, is Mel Tucker. Um, I think they finally, Mel and his uh, attorneys responded uh, to the allegations. 
And he says at no point at any time did he do anything that it would, you know, have him lose his job and that $98 million. And that uh, I guess they had a, uh, a private relationship, it says, um, with consensual uh, phone sex. Now, whether that's morally wrong, I, I, we won't get into that. That's for everybody individually to have. Um, but I'm not sure that that's criminally uh, or enough for him to lose his job. And if this was consensual all the way up until the time, all the way up until the time she says I'm uncomfortable, yeah, I, again, I think that there's something really fishy going on here. I think We'll save that, that for the X-Files, Larry. Okay. This sounds yeah. good then. Yeah, but uh, he, right. at least he, re- he had an opportunity to respond. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Larry, staying right with you, give, give me your top five now, five, top five college things. Yeah. Uh, similar, uh, I got Ohio State at number one. Um, I think they're the most impressive. Uh, Georgia, you know, looks uh, not top tier to me for a minute. Ohio State one, Georgia number two, USC number three. Uh, Florida's been playing really uh, well. I got them at number four, and at number five, I've got leapfrog. Leapfrog, and I've got Washington uh, with a strong showing. Okay, I right, Carlos. All right, I got Ohio State at one with the big win over Notre Dame and the Philly boys coming through. I got Georgia. I got Georgia second. I got Texas kicking Baylor's butt. I got Florida State eking out a win over Clemson. Clemson mismanaging the clock, but that's their fault. And I got Penn State with the big win over Iowa. Uh, at five. Okay, uh, Will. I'm going to keep uh, Georgia at number one for now. I'll go Michigan number two, Texas number three. I'll go Florida State number four. I'll put uh, Washington at number five this week. All right, all right Will, you, you, you kicked Ohio State out of there? Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, that was a good win over Notre Dame, but I just don't think I don't think they have the explosiveness on offense that they had a year ago. Okay, all right, Tim, what's your five look like, Tim? I got Georgia number one, Texas number two, Florida State number three, Penn State number four, and Washington number five. All right, Francis. I have Ohio State one. Georgia number two, Texas number three, Penn State four, and Washington five. Okay. Uh, Doc? Yeah, I have Georgia at one. I got Ohio State at two, Florida State at three, Texas at four, and Penn State at five. All right. I got you. All right, Carlos, I got you. Yeah, you got me. Okay. All right. Staying right with you, uh, Doc. I, I lost my place over here. I think you. I think you missed Larry, uh, Doc. Are you no, I, I started with Larry. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I ain't gonna leave the light skin brother out. You know that. Oh, come on, <laughs> my man. Lord, thank God. <laughs> uh, you got that. Oh, football games. Yeah. Here we go. 
I want to know about the pretenders or the contenders, Doc. Uh, Louisville, Utah, Syracuse. Okay. So, um, so Louisville, you know, they're undefeated. It'd be Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College. Um, I think Plummer's a solid QB. Jordan's averaging over 100 yards. Grass a good receiver. Um, I think they're a solid team. I think conference-wise they're contender, but, you know, nationally they're pretender. Um, kind of feel the same way about Syracuse. Um, they ha- they've had some decent wins against Purdue and Army, but, Again, I think they're conference-wise, but not nationally. Um, but Utah, I mean, I, they're definitely a contender. You know, the past couple of years they've won the Pac-12. You know, they have good wins against Florida at Baylor, UCLA. So, and that's all without Cam Rising. So, I, I think uh, Utah is a contender, and Louisville and uh, Syracuse are pretenders nationally. Okay, Larry. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably echo the same thing. Uh, Utah has been a, a good program, and for them to still be winning without Cam Rising, who I think is a different, real difference maker, I think they take it to the next level with them. Um, again, Syracuse and Louisville, specifically Louisville, have played, and again, I think it was Georgia Tech that they you know, had a good game. Other than that, Murray State, uh, so I'm not sure their competition has risen to put them at least on a national level. But as far as conference level, I think both of them, you know, will be playing for, you know, conference uh, titles. But on a national level, I don't believe so, other than Utah. I am, yeah, I, I, I do like Utah a great deal. Carlos. Uh, I think Louisville's a contender, uh, at least in the ACC. I think that, you know, Plumber's looking pretty good. They, look, they have some explosiveness. Um, usually they're like a – up and down team, but I think they've they've been showing they're a little more up than down. So I like them as a contender. Uh, Utah, I've liked you know ongoing. They're they're a tough team offensively and defensively. I think they're a contender. Syracuse, um, just looking at the strength or lack thereof of schedule, I would say they're a pretender. Um, that's my that's my look. Okay, uh, Precious. I haven't seen Louisville play, but I've been looking at the stats, and I think that's Plummer. I think someone said that, and um, he's he's looked good um, for sure. If we're just talking about conference, maybe a contender. I think um, um, Carlos just said that, but overall, nationally, I, I don't know. Utah have been trying to to give them a, a negative all year, but I don't think they look good. But they definitely won um, every game, so you you got to give them that. So I say they are contender, especially um, in the pack out there. And Syracuse, I'm just rooting for them because I'm pretty sure that's Dino Babers out there. I'm just going to say they're contending to see how far they go. And they, they are in the ACC too. Maybe they can do something because I think their only competition may be FSU if they can do, maybe North Carolina. So I'm going to say contender there too. So um, I give them all contenders, I think. Okay. All right, Tim. Yeah, when when you say contender, I, I, I'm not necessarily thinking in terms of the top four teams, but I think in terms of the ability to beat anybody uh, on the national level, uh, you know, that's kind of what I'm basing my my thinking on. And I've seen Louisville play twice. Uh, that's an explosive offense, and they've got a really good running back down there. So I, I consider Louisville a contender. 
Um, I think Utah is probably not as good as the Utah teams of the last two years, but I they keep winning. So, um, you know, and, and uh, I would put them in the contender uh, category as well. Syracuse, I think they're pretender. Um, I think they'll fall apart again. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I think the ACC teams, uh, Louisville and Syracuse, are off to a good start, um, undefeated to this point. But just the level of competition, I didn't uh, press with up to this point. So I'll say they're pretenders for now. Uh, Utah, I will say, is a contender. I mean, I like the way they play. They're tough. They just find different ways to win. The fact that they made it down to their third-string quarterback in some weeks, second-string, fourth-string even, I think, had to play in one game. They're still able to find ways to win. So I think once you – plug in a cam rising into that uh, team that's already found other ways to win. I think that'll elevate them to the next level. Okay, I'm going to stay right with you, uh, Will, because I want to talk about that FSU and Clemson game. What was your thoughts? uh, I thought both teams played well. Um, Florida State uh, went down there on the road. Um, They made enough enough plays where they had to. Um, I don't think they got exposed or anything. I think Clemson's tough to beat in that stadium, but I think it just comes down to Dabo. I thought he kind of fumbled it at the end of the game. I didn't like his play calling towards the end. I think it was third or fourth and one. He tried to throw a screen. Um, overtime, I thought the – I mean, late in the game, I just thought the play calling was uh, pretty off there as well. Um, he had a situation where he had Florida State's best receiver, uh, Keon Coleman, matched up against his second or third string cornerback uh, in overtime, and that was just – Florida State attacked him right away. And went on to win the game. You know, that's the kid on the island, no safety help or anything. So I just think Clemson coaching uh, fumbled a great opportunity to win that game. I thought their players played hard, but it just Florida State made more plays down the stretch, and that's what it came down to. Okay, Larry. FSU, Clemson. You know, as I mentioned last week, I thought this was a statement game for both teams, um, especially Clemson. Clemson probably had, you know, uh, had it in the books that they were probably a higher seed. Um, for Florida State to go down there to Death Valley and, and, and come out with a victory, no matter what Dabble did, and I think Dabble did, because Clemson really, if you look at stats, it's kind of dominated uh, in, in most areas, and maybe not necessarily dominated, but won in every statistic of the game. Um, so it was some play calling uh, towards the end of the game to kind of change that game, um, and that will fall on the, on the, on, with Dabble. But uh, Florida State's a legit squad. Uh, I thought that was a really big win for them. You know, I've talked about this before, one of the blue chips uh, to put them back in the uh, the national team for years to come. And maybe Clemson at at two and two or three, yeah, they they could be in trouble. Okay. Uh, Doc. Yeah, you know, Doc, that was a, a very competitive game. Um, as has been mentioned, you know, Clemson had the chances, um, but, you know, the kicker missed that field goal to kind of extend the lead. Um, kind of feel sorry for him. They talked about him in the broadcast of uh, yeah. how they kind of got him um, since the other kickers weren't being successful, and he's like a grad student. And Dabble said it's either going to be great or bad. And so I guess it was bad in his case, although he did make his first field goal. Um, but I think I think the game kind of turned on that, that fumble, that sack that uh, – you know, Florida State was run back. It seemed like um, they got a little. They were kind of slipping a little bit, and they got their uh, their mojo when they, um, you know, picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. So um, 
But overall, I think it's a good college football game. And, um, you know, Florida State is a big statement win for them, as, as has been mentioned. Uh, I'm going to come to Princess with her two favorite teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> Had me cheering for the slave owner school. Um, you know. <laughs> Georgetown. Pick, pick How petty is that? <laughs> How petty is that? So, um, Florida State, actually, I didn't think they looked good early. And I really, I'm, I agree with Larry in that most of the game, I thought Clemson kind of dominated. But you can see the momentum building in the second half, fourth quarter, and they were able to take it into overtime. Um, the play calling and the management of time by Dabo was surprising. And um, I think it was Tim that said in our thread that Kate Klubnick is not ready for prime time. And I thought that is true. Um, I don't think he proved himself. He didn't, he didn't rise above. He looked a little nervous to me. So, um, and the last thing is, is Jordan Travis of FSU. He has T-shirts out now. He's the king over LSU and the king over Clemson. You can go to his website and purchase his T-shirts. I hope they fail with all of this down the stretch, though. Let me just be sure to say that. Okay. Hi, right, Tim. Yeah, I, I did say uh, uh, Club Nick was not ready for prime time. I, I saw some things in him last year that I don't particularly like. I think he uh, he wants to be a hero as opposed to winning games. And um, that third and one call in overtime, um, when – I, my understanding, Dabo actually called a running play, and he changed it and threw that pass out to the uh, to the side there. Because if you notice right after the play where they put the camera on Dabo, Dabo was over there screaming at him, we just needed one yard, you know. So um, I, I think um, clubbing, clubbing is not ready for prime time. But then the next play, they ran a pass play too, and it didn't work. Uh, so Dabble has to take some um, some responsibility for that. Um, good ball game, though. A uh, bunch of four and five stars out there on the field, very competitive. Um, and uh, Florida State's for real. I mean, you know, uh, somebody mentioned that uh, Death Valley is a tough place to win, but Carlos will tell you uh, they won there when he was at Wake Forest. Carlos. Okay. And tell us about that, Carlos. <laughs> Well, it, it is a it is a tough place to to play. Period. Uh, it feels like the fans are right on top of you all the time, and it it really feels like the refs are always against you, also because you rarely get the calls down there. But I think it was a a big win for Florida State, um, deserving win because, as stated already, that uh, clock mismanagement. Um, outside of the missed field goal at the end of regulation, the poor play calling, which has been pointed out also. I mean, why would you check out of a running play when you have press coverage on a receiver? Like, if anything, you should have called another pass play for him to go around and, 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 and get something down the sideline. But right. um, so – Big win for Florida State there. Uh, I think I think Clemson actually just blew their shot. Okay, well, talk to us about that Ohio State and Notre Dame game. Well, three seconds. Go ahead. I mean, 
Big big game, big game time. I mean, you know, a minute, when I think something like 28 at the end of the game. McCord, first year at quarterback, his receiver, you know, Harrison Jr. out there. And then they ended up going to, I don't even know the kid's name, number two, but he had a great game. He had some big catches. And uh, and Marvin Harrison had a, a big catch also in that drive. But I just thought – we talked about bad play calling and bad clock management with Clemson, just the opposite. I thought it was, you know, a hard-fought game, a great college game, and then when it came down to it, you know, you're, you're on the one. Well, just do what you should do. Don't be cute. Just go score the touchdown, you know, and that's exactly what Ohio State did. So, you know, um, I'm pulling for the coach at Notre Dame, I think, like we all are. But I think he lost no credibility here in having his team prepared, having his team ready in the big game, in the spotlight, and right there until three seconds left in the game. So uh, hats off to Ohio State. I agree with what Lou Holtz said, actually, that they were looking soft. They were playing soft. With all the talent they have, you know, we expect more from them. And so it, it was great that in a big game, they finally came out on top. Okay. Will, what's your thoughts? Ohio State, Notre Dame. Well, I thought this was a well-played game by both teams. Notre Dame couldn't hang their heads after this loss. Um, Ohio State, it's good to see Travion Henderson back getting involved again. I thought he had a great freshman season, but between injuries here and there and just the loaded competition in the backfield, you know, he's been in and out of that rotation, but I thought he played well. I mean, Harrison, just a lot of talk. I thought Igbuka was the go-to guy for Ohio State uh, the other day. Uh, Notre Dame, I thought, established the ground game pretty well. Just had to finish drives. That missed field goal eventually came back to hurt them. But overall, it just came down to the end. I love uh, Ohio State in the red zone, you know, just saying if the guy gets tackled and his knee hits the ground, the game's over. But they trusted their offensive line, went to their running back. They were able to pound it in and get the win on the road. So I just think it was a well-played game from both sides, and I don't think we'll hear the last of either of these things. Okay, Larry. Uh, you know, one of the better games that I've seen that lived up to its height. Uh, I, I was – Notre Dame has finally had an opportunity, and I was sitting there at the last two minutes of the game saying, wow, if they could pull this out, they're back in the national prominence, you know, just on, on one game. And they did come close. And I think somebody may have mentioned, you know, nobody loses in this game as far as, uh, a, a national uh, view. Well-played game. Um, he, I think Freeman at the end said he tried to get, but he couldn't get players in, so he kind of saw what might be happening on the goal line, um, but he was in a no-win situation at that point, call timeout or anything like that. So really, really well-played game. You know, again, I think uh, somebody mentioned the boys from uh, St. Joe's Prep showed out, you know, and, and played well. Um but I think that uh, Abuka was probably the difference maker. We expected another wide receiver to be doing that, but Abuka to play well. So really good game. Uh, I think Freeman and them uh, uh, showed themselves well. All right, Doc. Yeah, I agree with the sentiments of everyone. It was a you know well played game. Um, and you were talking earlier about. Uh, you know, being braggadocious or whatever, and Ryan Day talking all that jazz after the game. I mean, 
they could. I don't say they should have lost. They definitely could have lost. So, um, you know, the Carlos point with uh, with Holt said um, a lot of times Ohio State is kind of soft. So, um, I can see him kind of defending his his team. Um, you know, McCord made some great throws. I know they uh, in 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 Big O that the receiver they were giving him a lot of credit, which they should have because he was open. But you know, some of the the views you could see that the the McCord was just letting the ball go and just knowing that that um, Big was going to be there. Um, I give him a lot of credit. Um, I think Notre Dame maybe should have brought some more pressure maybe on that last drive. Um, they kind of kind of sat back and kind of getting picked apart, and it was just kind of unfortunate they couldn't get another player on the field because it looked like he, I mean, he barely made it into the end zone. I think if it looked like that where there was no player there, it would have been that 11th player and probably would have um, you know been able to stop them. So, but good game. Uh, I'm sure the atmosphere was great there. Um, them coming out in there, Kelly Green. So, so yeah. Okay, Precious, your thoughts, Ohio State, Notre Dame. My thoughts are is that Lou Holt said they were going to win by two touchdowns, and I don't know if Ohio State was soft or not, but Lou Holtz also said Trump is the best president that America's ever seen. So he lost me way back then. So um, <laughs> uh, I'll send it to you. But um, I didn't expect a defensive game, and there wasn't a lot of points scored in this one. And I thought both teams um, showed themselves well. It, it, I think it was down to the last two minutes. I watched this entire game, and Ohio State still pulled this off. So um, um, I'm okay with Ryan Day talking some trash back to him, but um, I was rooting for, for Marcus Freeman, for sure. And um, I don't think they could hold their heads high. They almost pulled this off, and they would have been in the top five in rankings or somewhere there. So um, maybe they can recover from this with just one loss and, and still have a chance in, in November. Okay. Uh, Tim, uh, you, you heard what Princeton said, heard what Princeton said about uh, – Lou Holtz, I wonder if Mark May, Mark May was with him. <laughs> I doubt that. Mark May used to go at it a little bit. Um, I um, I thought this was the best Notre Dame team I've seen in years. Um, yeah. And Sam Sam Hartman was very impressive. I mean, he was just cool back there in the pocket. Uh, I think he makes a lot of difference in that ball club. And I don't know if I thought I heard somebody say it. I thought Notre Dame controlled the action most of the game. Um, one of the things, I, and I mentioned this to Duck earlier, that I was surprised at, and I was thinking about this even before the game, but then I saw it. Notre Dame went two back offense. Um, and I was wondering before the game why nobody does that anymore. They ran the ball on Ohio State all night. Uh, very impressive performance. Uh, and perhaps uh, that showed Ohio State to be a little bit a little bit soft. Uh, I was surprised Ryan Day uh, came out the way he did. But then again, that's in the tradition, again, of some trash talking from Ohio State. If you remember, Woody Hayes was up on Michigan several years ago by two touchdowns at the end of the game and went for two on the extra point. They asked him, why did you go for two, Woody? At that point, you had the game one. He said, because I couldn't go for three. Uh. Uh, like you said, Tim, cooler, cooler than the other side of the pillar, huh? Okay, all right. All right, is you up, Tim, September 30th games. Okay, gentlemen, uh, September 30th games. Do, Let me pull this up right here. Can we do Oregon, Colorado? 
Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's start with um, uh, USC in Colorado. The fight on coming into uh, into Boulder this week. Uh, what are you thinking, Larry Town? Larry Tisdale? Why call him Tisdale? Okay. You know what? And I think it started showing in the last game. I think everybody kind of knew this. You can't lose your number one player, arguably your number one player. And play a team like that, and 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 expect with a you know poor defense and offensive line to be able to hang in there. Um, so I expected that last game, and in this game it, it will be very similar. Travis is not playing. I think it could you know it could be at least a three touchdown uh, loss for Colorado. I got USC base. Doc Basil, uh, fight on is coming into a Boulder this week. But uh, I'm not sure USC has the defensive line that Oregon has. No. Yeah, that was that was what I was going to say. I, I don't think USC has the, the defense that Oregon does. And I, I think this would be probably more of a shootout, like people kind of thought the Oregon game would be. Um, and you know, Colorado's at home, so that's going to make a little bit of a difference. Um, and um, but you know, I think. You know, Caleb coming in with those boys, it's, it's going to be hard to stop them. Um, and I think, they'll, you know, they'll do enough. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley traditionally has great offenses. He never really has good defenses being back in his Oklahoma days. Um, but, you know, Prime has some great film to review this week, and maybe they can fix some things. Um, you know, one of the things I, I heard today was that, uh, you know, Colorado, mainly because of Dion, they, they're getting everyone's best shot. Um, but – they don't have quite enough right now to take everyone's best shot, especially with Travis out. So I think the Trojans – I got the, the Trojans winning this game. They brought a couple of touchdowns. Carlos Bradley, USC's question marked at, uh, at the defensive side of the ball. What are, you, what are you thinking about them coming into Boulder this week? Well, I think skill position-wise, as I thought last week against Oregon, Colorado can match up. I think the difference becomes the line play. The difference becomes the four years in the weight room. I think that's what really showed to me, uh, you know, the strength of a, a team that's been together longer. I think Dion's doing great things, brought in some great talent, but he still has to develop the program. And I think that's still coming. And I think he knows that and said that. Um, that being said, I think, USC will win here. Um, I don't think it'll be as as big as last week because their offense, you know, it might be more of a shooter. But I think the people up front will make the difference. I think USC wins. Uh, Duck, what are you what are you thinking? Uh, USC in Colorado this week. All right. Before I answer the question, Sam, uh, I just want to know after the game. Uh, when they got home, uh, you know, Dion took the team out on the field and had the offensive line lined up, and the left tackle still couldn't shot. I'm just wondering what. what... Uh, oh boy! I'm just wondering that through. I'm just asking for a friend. That left tackle's got to go. He's got to be benched for this game. No, he's already he's already put his name in the portal for after the season. But anyway, Colorado, USC, USC play Arizona State, who I thought was just okay. 
at Arizona State, they could not even stop. If Arizona State had a little more time, they might have beat USC. They, USC's defense, I don't understand why they can't get kids to play defense for them. So I think USC would probably win, but I think it will be closer than what we think. Uh, Princess, what are you thinking, uh, USC coming into uh, Boulder this week? Wow. Um, after watching – Shador gets sacked seven times. I just, you know, I'm pulling for them. But I, I don't know if um, they can do any better with USC. And no, the defense is not as good. But I, I, I'm going to say USC by by less than a touchdown. But I, I'm, I'm pulling for Colorado. Okay. Did I miss you, Will, on this one? No, I haven't gone yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah what yeah. are you thinking? Yeah, I think it'll be more competitive than the Oregon game. Oregon's got a really good, much better defense, uh, much stronger in the trenches than what we've seen from USC. But uh, I think Colorado can match up with their skill positions well. I mean, Caleb Williams will obviously give them probably the difference maker. But I'll take USC by a couple scores, but not 42 to 6 like we just saw. Okay. Um, Duke has been surprising this year. They knocked off Clemson first game of the season. Uh, they got Notre Dame coming off a devastating loss into Durham this week. Uh, what are you thinking there? This week I'm going to go with uh, Notre Dame. I think uh, they'll bounce back. I think they've shown they're well coached. Uh, they've hung in there with Ohio State. I think they'll be resilient, bounce back, and get up back on the winning track this week. Doug Basil, what are you thinking? Notre Dame going into Durham. You know, Duke, Duke is a good football team, and I think the, those Cam and Crazy is going to go from the indoors to outside. Um, <laughs> you know, the atmosphere is going to be like the Clemson game. So, I, you know, I, I, you know, Notre Dame is licking their wounds after the Buckeye loss. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Freeman, but I actually think the Blue Devils are going to get him. Oh, wow. Wow. Carlos Bradley, what are you thinking, Duke and uh, Notre Dame? Well, Duke has been very surprising, but they've been putting together a good program there between, you know, their offensive skills and their, even their kicker that kicked and beat Wake Forest last year. But I think as a team, they've been coming. But I think Notre Dame has been coming also. So I see uh, Notre Dame pulling this out and keep keep their program growing also. Mm-hmm. Larry Tisdale, as I as I said, I think this is the best Notre Dame team they've had in a few years. But then again, this is the best Duke team we've seen in a while too. What do you think it means? Yeah, I think Carlos just hit it on the head. Um, they're going to go into Duke, and this won't be a letdown. Um, this is their building. Freeman's building a program down there, just not a team. Uh, last week they showed really well, fell short. Um, I think he has this team up for this week, knowing you're Notre Dame now, and people will look at you like you're Notre Dame. So I think they go in there and, and, and surprisingly handle this pretty well, uh, like by two touchdowns. Uh, Duck, uh, will they have 11 men on the defense this week, uh, Notre Dame? <laughs> I hope. But uh, anyway, i I, I got to go with my fellow Mountaineer. Uh, this this makes me nervous. Uh, the same thing happened to Notre Dame last year after they played Ohio State, and I don't think – he got them up. I'm hoping that's different this year, but I, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if Duke upsets them. Wow, wow, Princess, what are you thinking? Uh, Notre Dame and uh, Duke and Durham. So who's the Mountaineer, the head coach of, of Duke? 
No, no, no. Duck said he was going with his Mountaineer. I'm just wondering who that is. What? That's me. I picked no, Duke I as well. Right. Okay. Uh, um, I think Doc said that Duke is a very good team, and we're not even talking basketball. So that is in itself is is amazing to me. Um, I'm going to go with Sam Hartman and Notre Dame, though, because Sam Hartman has navigated the ACC before um, and played up against Duke. And, and so I'm going to say that Notre Dame b- bounces back and wins in Durham. Okay, uh, running tight on time. Let's try to keep our answers to 60 seconds if we can. Uh, Clemson, Syracuse, Princess. Oh, boy. Um, well, I, I don't have to root for the slave owner um, team, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Babers and, and say they keep the undefeated um, going. Uh, Duke, I mean, Clemson is 2-2 two and two now, um, and, and no hopes of, of the, the playoff picture for sure and probably no hopes of winning the conference. So I'm going with Syracuse. Okay, Doc Basil, uh, that used to be the Carrier Dome, and I had a buddy play for North Carolina when uh, Julius Peppers wow. and, and Dre Bly and those guys were down there. They say it's one of the loudest buildings in the country. What do you think if Clemson comes in this it, week? It is a loud building. We we played them back in the day as well. And, uh, you know, I, like, like Princess says, I think that, you know, Clemson knowing that, you know, they're kind of somewhat playing out the string a little bit. I, I think Syracuse is going to have an upset. Mm-hmm. Larry Tisdale, Clemson, Syracuse. Yeah, I'm joining in. Um, I like Syracuse. I think Clemson, for some reason, I watched him early in the year and watched the sidelines. I thought that he had lost his team, you know, somewhat earlier. So uh, this is the perfect setup after that uh, game that they just played to go up to the Carrier Dome and lose when I got Syracuse winning that one. Will Harris, what do you think of Clemson-Syracuse? Yeah, this is tough. I think I'm going to go with the upset here. I just think Clemson, I thought we saw them at their best this past week. That's a heartbreaking loss they just had. Now you have to go on the road against this hungry team. I think Syracuse will pull it up. Uh, Carlos Bradley, what do you think of Clemson and Syracuse? Yeah, I think this is a tough one also. Um, it really shouldn't be. I mean, it should be Clemson going away. But as uh, as we noticed earlier in the year, Clemson seems to be lacking some firepower, lacking the athletes that they normally have. And their quarterback is not helping the situation at all. So I'm going to go upset too. I'm going to go with Syracuse here. Yeah, Duck, uh, you know, he makes a good point. The, those uh, skill players don't look like Etienne and uh, DeAndre uh, Hopkins and, and uh, Sammy Mike Williams. And Mike Williams, they don't look the same, uh, not even to just look at them. Uh, what are you thinking, uh, Duck, there, Syracuse and Clemson? Well, if, if you guys uh, look back over the uh, last four or five years, uh, Syracuse always plays – Clemson very well, so I'm, I got it, I'm, and I think this year it's going to be even better. I think they're going to be able to pull it out. So I'm taking Syracuse also. Let me stay with you, with you, uh, Duck, uh, uh, Tennessee and South Carolina. Well, I think South Carolina are playing well, but I got to go Rocky Top before, in the middle, <laughs> and afterwards. 
You know what happened last year when you did that, right? <laughs> okay. South Carolina put that, up 50 points on them. Okay. Doc Basil, what do you think? Rocky Top or uh, South Carolina? You know, South Carolina is too inconsistent for me. Um, maybe if it was uh, in, in South Carolina, but they're not going to win in, in New York Stadium. I got Tennessee. Okay, Will Harris, what are you thinking, uh, Rocky Top and uh, uh, Young Beamer? Yeah, I mean, SC ran them out of the building last year, but I think Tennessee being at home now, they're not going to sleep on them again. I'll take uh, Tennessee this year. Uh, Carlos, uh, what are you thinking, Tennessee and South Carolina? Yeah, uh, both teams tend to be up and down, and particularly the Gamecocks, they, they tend to be up and down. Um, but Tennessee's home, and I think Milton will get them going. I'm going to go Tennessee here. Larry Tisdale, 110,000 in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. That's the craziest place. Yeah. I, I drove through Knoxville on game day one day, and after <laughs> living in Columbus for 10 years, I'd never seen anything like Knoxville on game day. <laughs> yeah, it is It is pretty spectacular. Um, got family up in Nashville and drive through it time. I got Tennessee. I'm hoping Milton puts this together. Talented young man in South Carolina has probably been a little uh, up and down. Uh, it's not to my liking. I, I, playing at Tennessee at home, I got Tennessee running away with this. Princess, you're in Columbia. Uh, what are you thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking that Tim said the Gators were the most disorganized team he's ever seen. <laughs> but, yet they beat Tennessee Volunteers. I knew so, that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they beat the volunteers in Rocky Top. So now we feel, and I think South Carolina is, is has a better quarterback than Florida all day and, and twice on Sundays. I think South Carolina can go in and beat Rocky Top. So I'm saying South Carolina by a touchdown. Okay. Ooh, ooh. All right, staying right with you, Francis. What pro game? Well, I know you ain't watched pro football this weekend, so I'm gonna move from you. Uh, oh, Larry, so you got jokes, huh? You breaking up? You in West Virginia? Cowboys. I go ahead and jump in. What's the question? Cowboys. Hold on. Hold That's on. That's the question. Ask me. Ask me. Uh-uh. I'm going before Larry because I don't want to see his mouth. All right. What, what, what pro game did you watch, Francis? I tried to watch the Cowboys. But I, I like what Shannon Sharp said, and, and that is if what is going to happen when your defense does not get a pick six or does not, you know, rush and, and have a good game, what is going to happen? And we saw the inconsistency just rear its ugly head again this year. I'm just I – don't, I don't know what uh, – I don't know what Dak, Dak is seeing, um, especially in that last drive where he threw the interception in the end zone. So I'm upset. I'm upset. Um, and I don't. I guess we're not going to the Super Bowl now. Um, and what else? What other game? I, I'm sure. You know what? I, I caught most of the the Miami game or some of the Miami game, and I, I thought that was ridiculous. And I like what one of the Miami DBs said in that. What what disrespect when we're up 45, 50 points, and Russell Wilson is still in the game. Sean Payton kept him in there. There's a lot going on there. You'd have to say that Russell Wilson won't be there um, too long. As, as Reverend Robinson said, Russell needs to go to the house and have some babies. <laughs> wow. Hi, <laughs> Doc. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yeah, I, I watched some of the Cowboy uh, Cardinal game as well. And um, but then last night I watched the Raiders and the Steelers game, um, which you know was it was hard to watch. Um, you know, not a whole <laughs> lot of offense. Um, Jimmy Jimmy G. I mean, he he might need to go into modeling or something. He's just throwing throwing the ball to anybody. Um, so that was the game I watched last night. I mean, again, you know, good win for Tomlin. Um, maybe maybe they can turn something around, but I still think Pickett is not really the guy. All right. Uh, I'm going to come to you, Will, because you hear what uh, uh, Doc just said. Jimmy G should be going to Marlin, and somebody said, hey, he's too cute to be playing football. But anyway, what's your thoughts, Will? <laughs> yeah, I watched that same game. It's funny, you see. They always talk about how Jimmy G is a winner, and you take him out of that Shanahan system, and he looks kind of ordinary. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh, um, it's a shame because they have such a great defense. They force a lot of turnovers and make a lot of plays, but they just need better quarterback play to complement them. So see if Pickett comes around. If not, I think Tomlin's got to look at this draft class coming up. Okay. Uh, Carlos. Yeah, so – Dallas Cardinals I watched. Uh, I thought Dobbs played very well. He, he played the way you think Dak should play. That's what it looked like to me. Um, and I, I really don't know what Dak needs or what's going on there. Um, you know, it might be it might be time to move on, to be honest with you. I, I don't know what I've, – I've always tried to pull for him, but – I don't know what's going on with him. Um, Raiders, Pittsburgh, I watched. Um, always good to watch the Raiders lose, and I like Tomlin, so Pittsburgh won. I'm glad there. Uh, I just wanted to comment real quick about the Miami and the Denver game. You know, something is going on there before you get to the football field. Something is happening internally there that, like, either the team hates Sean Payton or hates the defensive coordinator. I mean, I was watching plays, and it was like it was like practice where you take three steps, but they were only taking, like, two steps. Like, it was one, two steps, and they were watching people run past them defensively. So I don't look at Miami. I think they should have scored 80 points. I mean, the job of the defense is to stop us. It's not for us to, to, to not disrespect you. You're disrespecting yourself. So I think something's going on there beyond the football field before they even they, – they had lost before they even got to the game. Carlos, did you see the picture of like four, four or five of the guys laying on the ground? The one that might have yeah, it was like, <laughs> like even when they did that shovel play, like there was no reaction like – Oh, shovel, go to my son. They just looked. They just turned and looked. And even like when the receivers were downfield, it would be like one arm reaching, nobody leaving their feet to tackle anybody. So it was like they weren't giving of themselves that you, the way you have to do when you play defense. you got to give it up when you play defense. And they weren't willing to do that for Sean Payton, themselves, for anybody. I, it's just – they had lost for they left the locker room. That's the way it looked. Okay, Larry. Cowboys. Oh, what's the question? 
<laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I hit the buzzer too quick. I apologize. So what pro game did you watch, Larry? I really did watch the Cowboys game, um, and, and it was difficult to watch. But I'm going to say something about, and I, it's about the Cowboys. You know, we're talking about the, our quarterback issue now. This is the same situation that we had with Romo in the past. Always had these talented teams, and the quarterbacks, you know, were really good. Or, you know, you know, all-star type caliber, and then they they all throw these interceptions at the end, and we don't know why. It's very similar. And I'm gonna say, I really think that team is cursed. Um, I don't know what the heck is going on with it, with with them. Um, but I did like I watched the Browns and the Titans. Uh, I thought that was a really good game. I wanted to see Deshaun uh, bounce back and see how he did. Um, and as far as the uh, Denver game, let me say, um, if you look at the numbers, I'm not blaming that on Russell Wilson. Um, I, I think Carlos mentioned it. You throw your quarterback under the bus from the very beginning, I think you have a problem with your team. Um, and he has a problem with his team. Because uh, we could all sit there and say that his team is not playing very hard things. So those are the games that I watched. I got a chance to watch some of the Vikings started, but I, I really uh, those three games. Disappointed in the Cowboys, unfortunately, and really happy for the Browns. Okay. I, I learned to stay with you. Are you are you yeah. beefing or making us go? Hmm. Well, you know, and I don't want to get all the way into it. I know we'll say we'll do it. My beef thing is. There's something really, really fishy going on uh, with Mel Tucker and that Michigan State program. It just ain't adding up. I don't know. Uh, I think, you know, there were some rumbles after he got the contract and then after he, you know, wasn't as successful as they thought he was going to be. And I, maybe they found a way to get him out. But it just don't seem, it don't seem kosher to me. Okay. Doc, Ethan, I'm making us go. Hmm. I'm beefing. Um, you know, I think Carlos says it probably every uh, month or so about the uh, the poor coaching in NFL. So I'm going to jump on his bandwagon because, you know, I look at some of those games yesterday and, you know, Staley going for it on fourth down on the 25-yard line. That I mean, they should have lost that game. The only thing that saved them was Kirk Cousins just choking at the end. Um, and then last night, um, you know, McDaniels, I mean, as tough as the Steelers' defense is, um, for him not to go for it down there, I mean, I guess he made the argument that they had timeouts and they could get the ball back. But if they didn't make it down there, then they then they would have been down – Steelers would have had the ball on their own like four. And so if you, if you had trust in your defense to stop them, then you should have trust in your defense to stop them down there too. So just, you know, just poor coaching decisions all around. So that's my beef. Okay. Uh, Will. Yeah, this week I'm going home with this Pac-12 conference. There's a lot of exciting teams with good quarterbacks. we got Cam Ward, Washington State, Michael Penix, Washington. Uh, Bo Nix playing a lot better at Oregon. DJU looking pretty solid at Oregon State. And we go to Caleb Williams, USC, Shador Sanders, uh, Colorado. We're going to finally see, you know, the Pac-12 conference have, you know, they have, 
bunch of teams in the top 25 now. Let's see if they can finally have some playoff success. It's a shame they're breaking up after this year because there's a lot of good football being played in that conference this season. Okay. Uh, Carlos. Uh, I'm beefing. NFL refereeing. (laughs) I mean, you know, what you don't want to see is calls changing or making the game. And you want players to play the game and decide the game. But, you know, it's it's too many crucial situations where it comes down to a call, yay or nay. I mean, like I was looking at uh, the Ravens at the end of the game and like in the middle of the field, blatant eyes on you, flagrant arm around, just pass interference, just very clear pass interference, no call. Okay, let's move on. But that decided the game. Yeah. You know, so things like that, I I think the NFL in, you know, once again controlling the narrative of games with their referees, it's becoming somewhat almost predictable which way. I mean, you know, it's – I don't want to go into conspiracy theory stuff, but it's just not cool with referees deciding games. Okay. Francis. I'm I'm not beefing um this week I should be, but um my concern is is all the violence at um football stadiums. Again this week, we know last week I think I talked about it, the the sand dying um at the, the Dolphins um I think it was Patriots game. Um but this week the the amount of fights that broke out at the San Francisco forty ers game on Thursday night. What has happened? I mean and, and I know, you know, everybody in there or most of the people in there may be juiced up, which I don't understand, getting juiced up and then trying to navigate um bleachers that you're asking for some foolishness anyway. But um it just all out brawls um in, in these stadiums. I, I don't get that. And I don't get the fighting I think it was the Jets and the Patriots where, you know, uh, they pushed Matt Jones down once and then Sauce Gardner went and got him again. I, I don't know where we are with this, but that that's just a hmm on, on my part to see how they're breaking out in these violent fights um, in these football stands. All right, Francis, take us out of here. Okay, I'm taking everybody out. Larry Tuesday, ain't nobody mess with your mic. Yeah. You may be in West Virginia <laughs> or you don't know how to navigate your iPhone anymore, but it's not my fault. Um, Carlos Bradley, <laughs> Will Harris, Stop Basil. <laughs> Who did I miss? Larry Tisdale, um, Duck Riley, Tim Moore. Thank you all. It, it's been awesome. I couldn't wait for tonight. And right now I think the score is three to nothing. Um, the Eagles okay. over the Buccaneers. Yeah, um, it, you know, a pedestrian fourth. First quarter, come on, Buccaneers. Yeah. Don't disappoint me. <laughs> Never had it so good, gentlemen. Then, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, not on the knees now. Come on. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys have a great week. I appreciate you all Thank for you. sure. Thank you. Thank you. He's a yeah. All right. Yeah, okay, Never had girl. it so good. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay.